What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance, and we're talking about business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best foot forward and elevate. And before we introduce today's guest, my man Eric from Huntsville, Alabama. I know you're grilling those ribs on this Sunday, brother. Who do you have for our Black Men Sunday spotlight? Today's spotlight, we're gonna look at a a uh, maybe a not too familiar person, but he has a movie that's be coming out this week. His name is Nathaniel Sweetwater Clifton. And basically about him, man, he was the star attraction of the Harlem Globetrotters. And he changed the game for the basketball when he became the first African-American to sign a contract with the NBA in the fall of 1950. So let me give you a quick rundown about Sweetwater. Sweetwater, or Clifton as they say, he was born in England, Arkansas, and he was given the name Sweetwater nickname as a boy because of his love of soft drinks and his easy disposition. When his family moved to Chicago, Illinois, where he became an outstanding basketball player and graduated in 1942, he attended Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans, and there he served in the military, in the army, and he fought in Europe during World War II. Now, Sweetwater basically, on May 24th, he became the second African-American player to sign an NBA contract. He played his first game for with the New York Knicks in November 4th. Now, Sweetwater was 27 years old when he made his debut. In his first season, he helped to lead the team uh, over to an appearance in the NBA Finals, but he lost a game in seven, or they lost a game in seven. So during his eighth season in the NBA, Sweetwater Clifton averaged 10 points, nine rebounds per game, and he was named in 1957 NBA All-Star team, scoring eight points in 23 minutes in the game. And then by the age of 34, he became the oldest player in the NBA to be named a first-time All-Star player. That's my spotlight for today. His name is Sweetwater, Clifton Sweetwater wins. And basically, like you said, he got a movie this time now called Sweetwater that'll be out on April 14th of this month. So check him out. I need to kind of give you a quick rundown of his uh, credentials and check the movie out. And I'm pretty sure the uh, when they made the film about him, um, you, they'd be happy that you support him and, you know, learn a little something about him. That's a spotlight to you today, Corey. Back to you. Hey, great information, Eric, man. You always come with them spotlights. I like the one last week. You almost made me want to buy some sporting ways, but then I realized, you know, I had braids <laughs> now, so that's not going to do anything for me. So thanks for that. And thanks no for, you know, and those ribs look good down in Hunts Vegas, brother. So let's go on to introduce today's guest. We got Corey Lewis on the show. Yeah, I don't know who this is. This brother played for the University of Illinois, one of the Illini. This brother was an academic all Big Ten for three years. This brother here played in the NFL. He played for my Patriots. He played for the Giants. He played for the Colts. He played the Canadian Football League offensive lineman. This brother, like I said, is an entrepreneur. We're going to be talking about fitness. We're going to talk about wellness. We're going to talk about about health. We're going to talk about generational wealth because that's what we built on. We have the CEO and co-founder of One and One, a Black-owned media company. We're going to find out all about that today. And this brother, like I said, played in the NFL as well. And this brother has a Master of Science in Sports Administration. Just to let y'all know, this brother's coming with it today. Corey Lewis, welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing? Good, my man. Thank you so much uh, for the awesome intro and thank you for having me. 
Oh, definitely. And I want to dive right in right now. We're talking about one in one, a black owned media company. We're talking about wellness. We're talking about tech. We're talking about health, mental health specifically. You know, we talk about generational wealth as well. So how can one in one, the company help me in supporting the movement for generational wealth as a black man? So we break our view of wellness into seven dimensions of wellness. Uh, one of those dimensions being financial wellness, um, because obviously, as we all know, you know, if you're not where you need to be financially, it can it can creep into the other areas of our lives, our mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So financial wellness and, and you know, getting that right, learning how to budget, learning how to learning, just having, having how to have financial literacy to do things um, at a high level to put you in a better place for success for long-term growth, not only for yourself, but for your family and for the generations after you. That's one of the things that we focus on with our content. So the utilization of our content um, is one area that, you know, anyone can start at for free. And then obviously, you know, that's that's on our website, oneonelife.com. And then we have financial experts who provide, um, you know, tips through our blog, tips on different areas of financial literacy, uh, to continue to provide those resources, you know, for the BIPOC community, for the black and brown community. It's for everyone, but we also really try to focus on um, the BIPOC and black, black and brown community because we obviously know that that community uh, suffers the most when it comes to, you know, the lack of financial literacy. Uh, so for those reasons, it's really important that to help people understand what they don't know. You know, and, and that's that's one of the things that we're really passionate about. And then our app um, that we just released actually a couple of weeks ago that's doing really well. It's a habit forming app and we integrate aspects of our content in and financial wellness um, and the betterment of that into it um, to help people build better habits around areas of wellness, financial wellness being one of the the highest targeted aspects that people care the most about because everyone's trying to figure out how to make more money, how to save more money, you know, and just how to set themselves up for success. So that's, that's what we're passionate about. And what we, with all of our content, our readers read that type of content the most. Um, and on my social media, people really engage with that content the most, really ask for more there, more tips there. I'm obviously by no means a financial advisor. I rely on the experts to provide me with tips and tricks of the trade that I regurgitate and try to, to help other people out. So I speak from a place of experience and also just a place of hearing what I hear from the people who have helped me succeed financially in my life. Do you do any investing? If so, you have any companies that, you know, because you know, you're a tech, do you have any companies that you willing to share with us? Frame Fitness is basically the Pilates of Peloton. Um, that is going to come, that has, it's just released to market this year. They're actually rolling the first couple of devices out. So I'm super excited about that. Pilates is, uh, I would say probably the biggest mo fitness modality right now in terms of the community and how many users and consumers that it has. So super excited to see how that expands, um, and how that grows or a ring that is a, a fitness tracker. I use it more for the sleep aspect of it. Um, great device. Um, I am. I do a lot of things in the CBD cannabis space. Uh, so there's a there's a couple of, of opportunities there that I'm invested in at a high level. 
um, you know, that, that I love. And then a lot of my, a lot of my other investments are like fun, the fun stuff. And by what I mean by that, I'll invest with a venture capitalist who is focused on a lot of the, uh, like health and wellness, a lot of, a lot of the things I'm interested in. So I kind of let, I give my money to someone else who, who obviously vet and trust or have a, some sort of relationship with, um, you know, and, and invest into their fund um, that focuses on um, different um, products um, in, in, in different markets that I'm interested in. So obviously health and wellness being one of them, tech being another one, you know, and, and tech and health and wellness. And, and I'm also, I like consumer as well, uh, D2C, but D2C is a lot, it's very tough. So it has to be a really interesting opportunity for me to invest there. And then, you know, I have a lot of friends that are doing things that I, that I invest money in um, their ventures, just, you know, not knowing whether or not it's going to succeed, but, you know, I, I believe in them as friends and I never invest with the thought of like, I got to get this back. You know, that's one of the things of investing, like you're going to, you may win one out of 10 deals, but that one deal hit it was a home run and and obviously you know cancels everything out obviously yeah we would love to win 10 out of 10 deals but that's not reality and never invest with money that you are scared to that, that, that you can't afford to lose so that's like investment 101 you know don't go out there investing your last your your savings you know into a venture that you're 50 50 about and if you lose it you're gonna you know you know you're, you're gonna be in a bad place so that's not the way to go. So um, I never invest money that I am scared to lose or, or can't afford to lose. And, you know, I try to invest in people and that's what, that's what matters to me most. If I believe in you as a person, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to probably write a check and, you know, see how it plays out. Yeah. Cause with the market, the way it is, a lot of brothers I knew pulled their money out. They kind of panicked. They saw it every day. It was just a you know, a dive. So they pulled their money out. Um, but you know, what advice would you give to brothers that didn't pull their money out, but they're kind of like, you know, this, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a slippery slope right now with investing. Like, what would you say? I would say as it pertains to the market, um, you know, just reevaluate, are you a long-term investor? Or are you, are you a short-term investor? If you're a long-term investor and you didn't need that money today, then, you know, just keep, just keep strengthening your positions in the market, right? You know, continue to, uh, you know, get that average cost base down by investing more. And then that way, when the market does trend back up, you know, you end up in the same, if not better place than you were before the, the downtrend. What we do know is that the market will go up eventually. It's a little rocky right now. And obviously I wouldn't necessarily to suggest at a, super high level, but maybe you're just nibbling and, and, you know, slowly but surely put money into, and, you know, back into the market or just really doing your research to kind of see when it's starting to pick back up, you know, I pulling money at a loss. I never try to do unless like I, that was only meant to be a short-term investment that like I expected it to, you know, hit at this certain time. And like this company has no chance of of kind of redeeming itself, then, then, then sure. That just cut, cut your losses, you know, use it as a tax write-off and, you know, keep it moving. But if you're a long-term investor and like, you still believe in the companies that you're invested in 
or the growth funds that you're, the index funds, whatever it may be that you're invested in, like just continue to, you know, lower your average cost base down. And then, yeah, when the market starts to trim back up, you'll be in a great place, you know, and you'll, you know, last thing you want to do is be in a place, man, I wish I kept money in, you know? So if you don't need, if, if whatever, if you don't need to, to pull the money out, then, you know, just keep it in there. And then, you know, as the market starts to trim back up, from the place it is at now, I always, you know, I, I'm, I'm always a big fan of just continue to, you know, lower that average cost base. And once it starts to trim back up, I'm going to be in a great place. I noticed as well, uh, you're a personal trainer and you have uh, the BPM program going on. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit because I feel like a lot of brothers, you know, we're working a lot. We're not really eating. We're not really, I mean, we're eating, but we're just grabbing something quick and we're working these long shifts, you know, because as a part of generational wealth, health is a big aspect. So I do want to talk about some nutrition with you. So as far as nutrition for, you know, a business owner or a brother like me, who's, you know, creating generational wealth, what are some good nutrition tips? Because I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I might skip breakfast, eat lunch, like maybe an hour early. So what are some good nutritional tips? What are some good foods we can eat that'll give our brain some more focus and things of that sort? Yeah. So, you know, believe it or not, I'm a, I'm a big faster. And by what I mean, I'm, I do intermittent fasting. It's not for everyone. So it's not something that I necessarily demand people to do it. I never, there is no one size fits all approach when it comes to wellness. I like fasting because what I tend to realize is that, you know, eating those potentially bigger meals during the day actually end up making you sluggish where what people don't realize when you're fasting, your body actually creates adrenaline that helps you focus more. So when you're in a fasting state, although like, especially if you're hydrating during that time and drinking, drinking a lot of water, um, whether it's seltzer water, sparkling water, flavored water, you know, and or just your regular water, that will that should help sustain your your hunger levels or, or minimize your hunger levels to where you can fast longer and longer. I do the 16 off eight hour eating window, you know, sometimes even longer of how long I'm fasting. And that's that's one of my the kind of tricks that I help to, to minimize how much food I'm trying to consume throughout the day, um, as well as like keeping me away from all the snacking and things like that, that, you know, all of us tend to want to do, especially when, when we're stressed out and things like that. But moving forward, if you're not someone who fasts and that's okay, I would really suggest, you know, high protein type of um, snacks because protein will allow you to stay fuller longer. If you do need to have some sort of car carbohydrates, that's okay. Try to have those earlier in the day, but try to have complex carbs. Complex carbs are your whole grains, in your, in your grains, because those last longer in your system and they take longer to digest, helping you feel fuller longer. A lot of people go for some of the simple sugars, simple carbs, you know, the stuff that tastes really good that we grew up loving, but, and that's cool. It's not that it's the, it's the end of the world. However, those things tend to just make you hungrier and also make you crash a lot earlier in the day because they're usually higher in sugar and they're simple carbs. So those things are better like to get some fuel for a workout or to get a, a, a short burst of fuel, but not necessarily long-term fuel. So that's why you want to have complex carbs that'll help keep your energy up, keep your energy sustained for longer periods of time and avoid that crash during the day. You end up seeing a lot of people, whether it's having a big lunch or just not having a great lunch, it actually ends up affecting their performance just because they're not 
fueling their body with the proper nutrients that will enable them and allow them to continue to have long-term energy, which ultimately minimizes their fo- ability to focus and, you know, just ability to stay alert, you know? So that would be like some of my tips. And, you know, obviously one of the ways to avoid some of those bad foods that you shouldn't be eating is just, if you're someone who works at home, just try to keep them out the house. And obviously if you're someone who works at the office where that office is providing a lot of that um, stuff that, you know, you shouldn't be eating, just try to bring the right things to work with you so you can, you know, have access to that and, and hopefully help you avoid some of those uh, things that just may be around you and in your environment. So, and once you kind of, it's like with anything, right? Like it's, it's a habit, right? So once you kind of get going with it and in the same way you trained yourself to love that food, you know, and really enjoy that food. I'm telling you, once you, once you find a snack that is relatively on the healthier side and, you know, that you feel good about, maybe it's, maybe it's not as good as a, as a Snickers, but it's good. And you, and you're not like miserable eating it. That's something that you can stick to. And I'm guarantee over time, you know, you'll actually train yourself out of enjoying some of those, you know, batter foods that aren't as good for you. Because I know for me, whenever I stray away and I'm really consistent with my diet, um, anytime I have some of that, you know, I, I kind of relapse, I guess, and, and, and have a cheat meal, um, a high, high sweets, high carb meal, I feel so bad that I never want it again. And that's just because you train your body, you know, to be optimized with the right things, with the right foods, with the right nutrients. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things when I'm working with any of my clients who are a lot of business people, uh, high net worth individuals, I'm like, yeah, let's focus on what you're putting into your body. It's like fuel, right? You know, we all look at ourselves, especially as business owners, as the Mercedes Benz. Well, you don't want to put Toyota Camry fuel in it, right? You know, and if you're going to run like a Mercedes Benz, right? You don't want to have a car that's meant to be running on premium fuel and you're just putting regular gas in it. So that's how we got to think about, you know, what we're putting into our bodies. And it's okay to have a cheat meal. It's okay to eat some of the foods you really, really love or, you know, those sweets. I have a sweet too. And, you know, if my mom makes a apple pie, I'm not going to not eat it, you know? So like, but it's all about balance. It's all about moderation. That's a real thing when it comes to to nutrition. Okay, definitely. And I mean, you know, a lot of brothers that I talk to say, listen, I'm working a lot of hours. I don't have time to work out. Okay, I'm eating healthy, but I still feel like I'm gaining weight because I'm sitting behind a desk all day. I'm sitting in a meeting. I'm sitting in the air conditioned. I'm sitting behind a computer. You know, this Black Men's Sundays, we talk about generational wealth, finance, and business, but we don't get personal trainers on here. We don't get NFL players on here that very often. So I got to go and ask you, man, we don't have time to work out. What can we do either at home or in the office, either before or after work to get some type of movement in? So, and that, you know, that's one of the unfortunate negative, I don't want to say negative, but that's an unfortunate mindset that a lot of people tend to have. They're super busy. So one of the things that gets sacrificed the easiest is working out. And that's an unfortunate thing because working out doesn't necessarily have to be, I go to the gym and lift for, you know, an hour straight or whatever it may be. Working out can be, you know, physical activity of going for a 20 minute walk, 30 minute walk, just moving, right? Movement is medicine, you know? So like, you know, where, where you, you sitting for too long and for, for, for long periods of times can be really just, just not optimal for your health. So if, and when you can find time to take calls 
you know, while you're doing a walk or, you know, have, have a standing desk or obviously, you know, in between your meetings, even if it's 10 minutes, finding that time to, you know, go for a walk or whatever it may be, just kind of building those, building that physical activity into your day can go a long way as opposed to just not doing it at all. I tell some of my clients, you know, who really feel like they don't have much time. Look, I'd much rather you do 10 minutes of exercise seven days a week, which will equate to 70 minutes of exercise for the week, as opposed to nothing, right? At least that's, it may take you longer to reach certain goals, but who cares, right? Wellness, wellness and fitness and health is not a destination. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. So to look at it as like, well, I'm not going to get the results I want. I mean, yeah, sure. It may take you longer because you're not, because the person who is able to go, you know, for 60 minutes a day is obviously has an advantage because they're doing six X to work. They may get results faster, but who cares? Right. Because everybody's journey is individualized. Everyone's journey is their own journey. It shouldn't matter what other people are doing. You only have time for 10 minutes a day. And that's, that's really what you only have time for. Then yeah. Try to build that in with going for a walk, even if it's going to the gym and, and, you know, putting 10 to 15 minutes in of a quick uh, couple exercise, whatever it may be, you know, so I really try to tell people, especially when it, when they're busy entrepreneurs, really try to, whether if you can't bake it in um, before the day, try to get up that extra hour early, go to bed an extra hour earlier so you can get up, you know, an hour earlier and get some sort of exercise and movement in, you know, really set the tone for your day. And I guarantee you, the result, not only the results that you see, but how much more productive and how much more energy you have from getting that necessary movement in before you start your day truly goes a long way. So let's go back to one and one, a black owned media company. You know, a lot of brothers have these great ideas about starting businesses, but they may let fear, they may let just, oh, no, they may, no one may want to finance this. So, you know, when you were, because uh, you're the CEO and co-founder, so when you were setting your business up, did you have any fears going into it? You know, I know you're a football player. So, you know, a lot of brothers gonna say, oh, well, he played the ball. You know, he probably was confident going in. But for a lot of brothers, they're a little on edge about maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. So what gave you the confidence to, you know, go all in with your business one in one? Well, for me, the best ideas are typically when you're the most scared of them. So are the best opportunities are the ones that are that scare you the most. And that's kind of my take on a lot of things. And Man, if I have a really good idea and I feel really passionate about it and, and I know that it's something that I really want to do, but it's scaring the heck out of me, um, I'll go for it because, shoot, I know going to, up against some of the best players in the world when it came to football, you know, I was nervous as hell. But, you know, again, not getting embarrassed out there, but I knew that those were going to be the best opportunities for me in order to really prove myself. So for me, I say, you know, you just like you just got to go for it. Entrepreneurship is about being comfortable when you're uncomfortable. And, you know, that's my motto for everything because that's what entrepreneurship is, man. It is, it is literally like me and my business, business partner always talk about entrepreneurship is taking off as a plane, but you're building the plane while you're in the air, <laughs> you know? So like, like you're literally taking off, but you don't know what the heck is going to happen. There's going to be so many ups and downs and you're building the plane before you get to the destination. So 
that is what it's about. And you got to go for it. It's never going to be the perfect time to get started. You're never going to be where you need to be to get started, right? There's always going to be an excuse that you can make or something that you can look at to say, well, I don't know if this is going to work out. I mean, sure. Um, and if that's just, if you really don't feel like that's a step that you need to take, then then don't do it. But don't beat yourself up over not not doing it. You know, the hardest part is always getting started. You gotta, you you have to take that step if it's something that you really believe in, that you're really adamant about. And you just have to believe in yourself because nobody else is gonna believe in you. No one else is coming to inject this level of belief into you that's gonna allow you to push forward. If you can't believe into yourself, like how are you gonna get all the people that you're trying to provide this service or product or whatever, you know, your venture may be, how are you going to get them to believe in and believe into that? You know, so that's what you got to think about. And it starts with the belief in yourself and, you know, the rest is history. Like, and also like, you got to be aware that failure is not failing. Failure is not final and failure is not the end. It's not the end all be all failure is growth. Right. So that's another thing that like, it's okay to fail. I'm not saying go out there knowing and thinking you're going to fail, but there's a lot of successful people now who have failed seven times before they succeeded on their eighth time. So like, don't let that be the end of the road. Everyone, everyone who worries about losing before the game even gets started is probably bound to lose. So you can't go into it with that mindset because you, you are going to set yourself up for failure, but you also it, it it makes it a lot it makes it a lot easier to, to to take the necessary jump when you realize that like okay yeah I failed but like you know I'm not dead it's not the end of it's not the end of my, my my life it's not the end of my world like yeah it sucks but like okay how do I use it as a learning lesson to maybe do the next thing even better so like that's how you really got to go at something you got to believe in yourself and you also got to realize that like yes if I do fail I gave it everything I had. I put my best foot forward and at worst, I learned a lot. So when I do have another great idea or maybe that idea was good, it just wasn't the right time. I'm going to do it a lot better. Got you. And for the brothers that are saying, listen, I have this great business idea. I work at nine to five. It pays the bills, but I'd rather do my business full time. You know, I'm not going to quit my job just yet, but I feel like, you know, this idea is going to be good. I might have, I've even spoke to some brothers that's made a few sales. They're like, wow, this is just as much as a two week check at my job. What confidence do you have? At what point should you or should you not even think about quitting your job to fulfill a, a business dream or a business venture? Yeah, I, I think once you have a level of consistency with your product or with your sales um, from that from that, I guess, hobby, you, you, you kind of call it until it's not obviously that part-time venture that you're, that you're taking part in. Um, I think that's when you can, and by consistency, I mean, like, you know, you have the systems and the flow in place. You can predict relatively like how often you're going to get a sale that obviously allows you to live your life. Right. Like I wouldn't jump out here and say like, you know, quit your job and just give it everything you have. Obviously a lot of people have families that have bills to pay, you know, and, and all that stuff is good. So unless you've saved a lot to kind of give you the necessary buffer to, to, you know, pay for your cost of living, which is, you know, your bills and like whatever that may cost your, your day-to-day -day and month-to-month -month, uh, bills. Um, I would not obviously suggest to just quit your job. That's, that's allowing you to um, take care of those things. But obviously one way is to save enough that gives you the 
wiggle room to, you know, have three to, I, I like to say six months of, if no money came in the door, you're good. And then that way you could really focus on your business and, you know, focusing on moving your business forward, getting more sales to get to the point of um, subsidizing what you were making and hopefully more. And then obviously, if you don't have the ability to save for three to six months, yeah, continue to work on that. Go do your job nine to five. And then from five to eight, five to 10, whatever hours you can afford to put in for that part-time situation on a week-to-week basis, build that bad boy up, get those sales in the door, get that traction that's necessary. And then slowly but surely, you know, kind of set a goal for, okay, once I get to this point, I can really take the next step of quitting my nine to five. And I think that point usually looks like, okay, I'm really close to predict, you know, predictability of, of, you know, how many sales I can make in any given month or any given week, which ultimately allow you to, uh, you know, make the decision to end your nine to five at the right time. So I think it's just really evaluating, you know, what that is and what that looks like. And also, I don't want to use the word greedy, but if you're not, I, I, a lot of people are just like, well, that's just easy money. I, you know, I can do my nine to five in my sleep. And, but it's really hard to, to take a venture to the next level if you don't wake up and that's all you think about and give it everything you got. So I would set real, first and foremost, set realistic goals and kind of, you know, timelines that you can realistically meet. So again, when, when, when you hit those goals, you can make the informative and educated decision to move on properly. Okay, great information, man, because I hear it, you know, a lot of guests come on the show and, you know, I've heard brothers come, I've heard just brothers in the community saying, listen, I've got this great business idea. I hate my job. I'm quitting. I'm like, but they're quitting before they even, even started the business. They just quitting on an idea. So that's why I wanted to ask you. So what do you think about brothers that are just saying, you know what? I hate my job. I'm quitting. I'm just going to put all my energy into this idea. I'm going to wake up and think about this idea from the whole day. Hey, what do you think about that? Hey, I, I, I'm not. I'm not against that. Like I said, hopefully that 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 brother or or that woman um, or a sister, um, hopefully they have you know some wiggle room, some buffer, some some savings that again allows them to comfortably um, you know quit that job to put all their energy and effort into. So I hope as long as that's coming from a place of like, hey, I, I really don't like my job. I have enough saved up from that job to allow me to put my energy time and focus into something, into this great idea that I have without having this financial burden kind of lay over my head and stress me out today, then that's okay. I just wouldn't suggest someone to do that knowing that like they don't know how to, they don't know how they're going to keep the lights on next month for themselves because then that just brings, it'll make it a lot harder to move forward with that business venture or idea if you have this financial burden cloud kind of always over your head of like, how am I going to pay my bills? So, um, so yeah, as long as people are doing that and and that's because they've, they've saved up and put themselves in the position to do that at a high level, then, you know, more power to them. I, I love and respect that because yeah, you know, something that is going to be successful does need a lot of, a lot of your time, energy and focus into it. And you know, I, I would I would totally suggest that if they have the means to do so. Okay, so basically, fellas, don't quit your job if you got this great idea. You haven't done anything, don't quit, please. Don't. I know <laughs> it might feel good today, 
but in a week when them bills start piling up you're going it's going to feel a little different so don't <laughs> do it so on the flip side of that for the brothers that like their nine to five they're in careers been in their career for a few years but they still have a, a phenomenal idea for business how should they utilize the finances from their main job to fund their uh dream job first and foremost identify what the idea is you know obviously they do but figure out what market that is and whether it's and by that i mean d to c direct to consumer for for you know people who may not know what that terminology means or b2b business to business um you know identify what vertical where you're trying to take this idea and, and what market what what type of product is going to be etc and then from there really just Okay, figuring out the fixed and variable expenses that would need to go into getting this idea started, right? There's all types of ideas. Is it a, is it something of a that's going to require startup costs to you know build it? Is it is it a materialistic thing? Is it clothes? Is it is it a technology? Is it is it a SaaS product? Like there's tons of different things that an idea can be. So identifying what that is obviously will dictate what kind of steps need to be taken, but you just need to be realistic with doing the research for what it will cost to, you know, maybe build something like you're trying to build. If it is a, a if it is some sort of uh, materialistic product or tech product that will need to be built at some point. But for example, let's just say it's a tech product in a lot of ways, there's tons of ways that you can typically white label a technology that's already working to, you know, prove for a proof of concept. So I typically tell people, okay, if you're, you have this great idea, let's try to find a way with the least amount of cash possible to really provide a proof of concept, right? That's going to allow you to, okay, validate your idea. So whether it's, it's white labeling a technology platform to, you know, use for your product or white labeling a manufacturer or clothing line to use for your clothing line that you want to bring to the market, you know, whatever it may be. And, and, you know, really using like a small capsule, doing a small soft launch, seeing how it sits with your close friends and family, or, you know, seeing how it sits on your social medias or whatever it may be, do like a really small campaign. Um, you know, whether it's, whether it's just an organic marketing campaign or a paid media campaign and seeing how that sits with the community that you're trying to reach. And then again, getting that offer validated. And then if, and when that offer that does get validated for what you're trying to sell, then you can really start to iron out the details in the next phase of like, okay, people like this, here's what I need to do to take it to the next level, really itemize and list out. Okay. Here's what, it, what each item is going to cost. And then from there, be able to understand how much you're making from your nine to five that you love and that you enjoy, you know, and how much you can realistically pull out of that paycheck in order to fund what's necessary, right? So, and maybe you need to sit on that idea for a little bit to save up from that nine to five to put you in a position to fuel and fund this idea at a high level. So, you know, and that's, these are things that you can do spending two to three hours after your nine to five on a day-to-day -day basis um, to really start to build that up little by little. You know, it's all about compound interest. So, you know, take the weekends and take your, you know, five to 8 p.m., five to 10 p.m. block, however much time you want to spend to really project and roadmap 
what that looks like, what the cost associated is going to look like. And this will ultimately allow you to really figure out, um, you know, how much it's going to cost first and foremost. And then obviously identifying based on what you make, how much you can realistically, uh, you know, save and pull out to fund your, your venture or your idea. Oh, great information, man. And I was talking to one of my brothers this morning and he was like, Hey man, you, you think you should, you should go ahead and get your Facebook, Instagram. You should go on and get the verification check. I'm like, what you mean? So I, I pulled it up and I said, wait, that thing $14.99 a month. So, you know, as businesses, as we go in and the social media age monetizes now, is it really that important for me to pay that $14.99 a month to have just a blue check on my page? Is that really worth it? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, not now it's hard to say it's gonna, it's kind of like the wild, wild West. I'm still a big believer. Like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think, I think Instagram is either going to change the colors for the people who earned it versus the people who are paying for it. So I'm kind of waiting and seeing how it plays out. Um, I always, all my friends, because I played, uh, you know, professionally and the things that I've done, they're like, why aren't you verified? Like, I know, I don't know. I don't, I don't make the calls at, at Meta. You know, I'm, I'm, I was verified on Twitter for a while, but could never get it on, on Instagram. I never actually like tried. I never like asked for it, for it or whatever. Um, I always just heard like, you know, if you're meant to be verified, you'll just wake up with one. Unfortunately for me, it never happened, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. And it looks to me, it looks crazy. There's a lot of people I see with like 200 followers and, you know, eight pictures that are verified. And I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have the same credibility to me. So I don't really see the value yet. Like I said, I'm kind of waiting and seeing as I like to do with most things. Um, no knock to the people who did pay for it <clears throat> and now have it, you know, if that is, if that provides a level, of, whether it's validation or provides a level of amplifying their business needs, then so be it. I don't see how it does yet. Like I said, if 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 if, it, if I do come to find out that like if you have the blue check that you paid for, you're able to reach more people organically, and you know do things that benefit your business, then obviously yeah, I'll think about it. But until then, I don't. I'm not gonna pay for a validation check, right? Like I know I'd rather earn it naturally, and and um, yeah, when when that time comes, great. And I, I do think eventually. For the people who did earn it because of their celebrity status or whatever it may be, I think there will be a color change of sort or something that will happen anyway. And then will you kind of look crazy that you just like, yeah, you have a blue check, but we'll all know that you paid for it, you know? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, I would say hold off like in your way of thinking. Um, and again, if you start to get some feedback and, and you're starting to see data that shows that yeah, people who pay for the blue check are reaching more people, reaching their audiences, because like that's what Meta is and Instagram is is allowing people to do. And, and that may happen, right? Because it's a it's a business, right? At the end of the day. And that's what people don't realize, like social media is a business. So they're going to try to increase revenue and they're going to try to do things that keep people on the platform and to keep people paying for stuff. So if they're going to tell people that like, hey, you can reach more people if you have a blue check, then, you know, guess what? More people are going to buy it. I just think personally seeing a platform that has millions of people with blue checks, it, I, I just, I don't really see how that's any different of uh, millions of people without blue checks. Like now, just instead of no, 
instead of no blue checks, we now have blue checks and we're still just all communicating with each other with blue checks. It was much cooler. The blue check meant so much more before. So now it just kind of, it, it, it kind of diminishes its, its credibility in the, and I guess it's, it's a uh, one to have one. And I'm just kind of staying in my wait and see approach and, you know, hopefully I can earn it and hopefully earn the, the new colored one when that one happens. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel you, man, because I feel my brothers, they are business owners and they were like, you know, I don't want it on my personal Instagram, but maybe my business Instagram, my business Facebook, maybe that'll help blow it up some if I just go yeah. in and pay for the check. But I'm like, but I asked them though, are you getting money off those platforms? Because for me, I'm not getting money off the platform. I'm not cool with paying $14.99 a month just, just for a cool check to look cool, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, and right. So, and that's something like maybe, right, like maybe it's it for, let's say my company page. I can see it making sense to to your to to your brother's standpoint. I can see it potentially making sense, trial and error. If that's an expense that they want to take on, let's see how it goes for you know five to six months and see if there is some sort of increase in reach, you know, increase in in the ability to grow my business's um, awareness and followers, or you know, those things help, right? As it pertains to a business, so. Yeah, that's like an expense that they're like, hey, let me give this six months and see what happens. Then so be it. You know, I just it, it's not, you know, for me personally, I, I I treat my personal page like a business page of sort because it funnels a lot of my followers to my business um, and, and to my different, um, you know, things that I have going on. But, you know, until I really see the value in it, you know, um, or, or, or hear about the value in it, I'm going to, you know hold off for a bit. So, but again, I'm not nothing against the people who want to give it a try and, and think that it's going to provide some value to them. And, you know, I hope it does. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I, after our conversation, I said, I was going to ask you about it. And then, you know, maybe an hour before the show, you know, how Instagram kind of has you starting to think like, mm, let me try it out. Let me try it out. But I said, nah, let me, let me ask you first before I jumped in that terrain. Cause I, at the same time, I don't want to get a check. And they're going to be like, Man, this guy got a check. Oh, he paying for it. Boo. You know, so I don't I don't want to yeah. have that stigma attached to it as well. <laughs> yeah, it's almost it's almost as if like ha not having a check is gonna be the cool thing in the next <laughs> well, like we'll see. Because again, some people will look at really crazy with 200 followers and a blue check. I just you know, it, it's it, to me that to me that defeats the purpose of of, of the blue check. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And before I let you go, I got like maybe three more questions, but I do want to talk about uh, mental health. You know, we've had mental health experts from Columbia University come on and, you know, from but we haven't had an, an athlete, a trainer, you know, we haven't had a brother like you to talk about mental health. So in our community, mental health is something it's kind of like, you know, our parents would tell us, you know, toughen up. Don't worry about that. Just stay focused on this. Don't worry about that. But nowadays, mental health is, you know, coming to the forefront in our communities. So what can we do as black people to really not be afraid to talk about that mental health? Yeah, I mean, mental health is one of the things that we focus on a lot at my company, One and One, um, because especially in the in the black community, you know, our our way of life was suck it up, you know. Uh, man, stop being soft, stop being a baby. Um, you know, this is life. And I think that's what society, you know, I think that's what it taught us. Um, and unfortunately, like, yeah, in, in moments of, of 
constraint and adversity. Like, yeah, like you got to be tough. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, like we talked about earlier in the show. However, you know, the depression is real. Anxiety is real. Like those are real, you know, um, chemical imbalances that like we have to deal with um, for men and women in the black community. And it's not okay to not be okay for long periods of time, you know, and, and, you know, I think it starts with identifying is, is this short lived or is this, is this something that I really need to, you know, get help with? And we need to recognize it's okay to seek help. It's okay. Whether it's seeking help through a friend, seeking help through therapy, you know, and all that good stuff. And, and I think there's just such a negative stigma around getting help and, you know, being seen as soft that we tend to shy away from seeking that help until it's too late, right? Until, unfortunately, we, we see a lot of, a lot of brothers and, and men and women taking their lives because they're just no longer happy with the life that they're living, right? Like, and you just wish that they would have spoke up or, or had the resources to, you know, help them be, be in a better place mentally so they can continue to move forward with life. And, you know, that's not a place I would want anybody to ever get to. So in the same way that like, you know, if we break our arm or we, you know, rupture our Achilles or we, we, we tear our knees up, like we go to the hospital, you know, mental health needs to be seen as the same thing as physical health. Right. You know, and, and I don't see how it's any different because, you know, what's 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 happening in our mind. That's where we spend our most time on a day to day basis. So why not? Why shouldn't we be doing everything possible to nurture it and take care of it? You know, and, and the problem is, is because we can't see it, it's hard to believe it. Just like if I saw you, Corey, walking down the street with crutches, I would probably hold the door open for you. But if I saw you walking down the street without crutches, but you were dealing with depression and, and you were sad, who knows if I opened the door for you? Because as a stranger, right? Because I, I can't see it. So it's a lot harder for me to identify what you may be dealing with, but it is necessary for you, Corey, to, you know, potentially speak up and, you know, say what's on your mind, obviously not to just any stranger, but to people you feel comfortable with, you know, that you should be able to feel comfortable with, you know, to say, hey, man, like, you know, I'm really going through something and I'm not happy with the way life is going right now. And, you know, having someone to talk to and letting it out as opposed to internalizing it and hoping for the best, like that's not a strategy. A strategy is being able to realize that, you know, it's not okay to not be okay for long periods of time, but it is okay to deal with it in the right way by identifying, you know, whether it's the right people to talk to, um, the right resources to utilize in order to enhance your mental health um, and put yourself in a better place for your overall well-being. And you know, that not 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 only takes its doing by by trying to combat mental health issues when they come about. But it's also about what are we doing to proactively take care of ourselves so we can avoid getting into negative mental health situations. I also, as I'm as I was doing some research on you, I saw that you guys basically um, break the stigma of mental health and or in fitness. And then I saw the uh, body plate mind program that you have going on as well. Can you just talk about that for us? Yeah. So our body plate mind program is basically a three month um, program that we put people in, you know, to help, help them move forward mentally and physically, you know, starting with the mind first, um, BPM, uh, stands for body plate mind, as you mentioned, because 
Um, that's the three pillars. The, the, to me, the three main pillars of wellness is our body, our plate, which is our nutrition and our minds, right? And, you know, that's something that we focus on with our program. It's, it's as I said, a, a three month course that comes with um, a curriculum um, of, of videos to, to go through uh, where we, we have uh, a, a bunch of learnings and teachings on sleep, on mental health, on nutrition. We have two, two modules on nutrition. We have uh, a spiritual wellness module, a physical wellness module, and we go really deep into, you know, all of these topics that obviously everyone in the course has access to. And we also provide personalized, uh, you know, customized and, and, and tailored to our, to each individual specifically nutrition and fitness plans uh, to help people, you know, have a program, have a, have, have some structure in place, you know, to, to help them reach their certain goals. You know, and a lot of our people come out of there losing, you know, 10, 20, 30, we had somebody lose uh, 40 pounds in, in three months, you know, really locking in. So every week we have uh, one, two to three group calls. So it's a real community aspect. Everyone who comes in gets that, that 90 minute intake call uh, with its four coaches, including myself, obviously. Um, we have a nutritionist, myself, we have a mobility specialist, and we have a meditation specialist. So we all have our own um, strengths that where we focus on, you know, for the, for the body plate mind community. So when they come in, um, you know, they, they, they kind of get all the boxes checked for them when it comes to overall wellness and well-being. you know, cause I really believe that all those boxes need to check to really move forward. And what our goal is for the people who come in is like, how do we make you self-sufficient beyond body plate mind? So like when those three months are up, you feel really good about the foundational infrastructure that you built for yourself to continue to take all that you learned, you know, for the next, for the rest of life. And obviously a lot of people, fortunately for us, stick with us. They're like, Hey, like, how do I just stay involved with this community? How do I continue to get whatever it may be? And we have like a graduate program that we put people in that they're really like, Hey, I really just want you guys, I want to be able to continue to hop on all these calls and, you know, get access to all the, all the content that you, the, the bonus content that you continue to put out um, consistently to help, you know, enhance my overall wellness journey, you know? So like, how do I just stay involved? Or like, what does that look like? So we have a lot of that and, and that's kind of what the program's about. And yeah, just, just building that community, you know, seeing if, if people seeing how people can really uh, work not only on themselves, but also work amongst other people and connect with other people to, um, encourage them to also get going on their physical and mental wellness journey. What can parents do for children that will make healthy eating a little easier for the kids? So I think that's another, I think that's really similar to how we create a healthier eating environment for ourselves. You know, I think teaching your kids how to make healthier decisions early is an important, you know, method in order to kind of potentially set them up for success later in life. I think a lot of what we do as adults are, is just like the, the smaller versions of ourselves eating the things that we had access to, right? So like the things we love and enjoy in our adult life didn't just come out of nowhere. Those are things that we loved and enjoyed growing up, right? So little by little, 
maybe trying to find some of those healthier solutions that can be, you know, substitutes in, in comparison to what they're already eating. You know, now I know that some of the healthier options uh, are, are sometimes potentially too pricey. So there are a lot of means to, you know, when it comes to certain things that taste really good to kids, there are healthier ways to make them naturally yourself. So if you can like find the, the means to, you know, yeah, maybe you're making pancakes still, but maybe you're making the healthier version using, um, you know, coconut flour or a creating a, you know, identifying the healthier recipe that you can now make it yourself as that parent for your kids to snack on or finding that, you know, healthier solution for, um, you know, all that candy that still has a sweet component to it, but it's not, you know, 50, 60 grams of sugar and your kids can still enjoy it. So it's about, you know, doing a little bit of the work to obviously first and foremost, identify what the kids really enjoy that they just can't live without. And then maybe finding a means to identifying a recipe to help create that meal that they really love, you know, as an alternative or, or finding that, you know, nowadays there's so many healthier options of whether when it comes to snacks, et cetera, you know, and, and doing that necessary research to, you know, identifying that healthier option. And then, you know, obviously if it's, if it's kind of like too expensive and not sustainable for your budget, you know, kind of trying to, again, how can, how can you potentially um, make it yourself or just kind of fall in the middle of how can you identify a, you know, healthier solution that maybe isn't that specific um, snack that your child may be seeking for, but opening their eyes to other things. Kids are curious. So try new things with them. And, and if it sticks, let's keep that going. Right. Kids are tough. We, you know, nobody wants to upset their child or, you know, have a whining, uh, you know, child because they're not getting what they want, but kids are curious. And that very minimal moment of them maybe being upset that they didn't get their fruit roll up because you changed it out for something else that was a healthier option, like they'll be okay, you know? So I think identifying that and, and then little by little removing the sugary, um, you know, foods that are, that are, you know, overtaking your house um, and, and, and trading it off for some healthier options that, that can, uh, you know, provide, have, provide better health quality, more nutrients for themselves, um, you know, I think is the way to go. And, and then also just if, if you're dealing with the issue of where, you're, where you feel like your kid may be gaining a little bit too much weight at an, at an early age and your doctor's like, hey, like, really watch this, like, you know, just really honing in on portion control. Kids, kids have to be kids, right? So I'm not sitting here and telling you to like put your kid on a, on a keto diet or a sort, right? But, you know, how can you Help, him, help them with portion control and just, you know, minimizing how much they may, may be eating on a consistent basis because kids know, don't know what they don't know, right? So let's not put them in a position, uh, you know, to fail without trying to provide them the right knowledge and information to, you know, put them in the best place possible to succeed, you know, because kids are going to eat what's in front of them. You know, they're, they're, they're growing, they're hungry and, and, they're not necessarily knowledgeable on all these things. So it's important for the parent to do the necessary work in order to pass that along to their children so they can be healthier, feel better, you know, look, look better, 
and they don't have to deal with some of the external validations that, you know, that exist in society as it pertains to how we look and, you know, the things that we're eating. Oh man. Great information. Great information. My final question, Corey, did you enjoy your time on black men Sunday, brother? I did. I had a great time, man. It was all good. Definitely. Definitely. But I, you know, I'm the I E U to E Y. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) definitely, man. Well, Hey brother, I appreciate you. You could have been anywhere. You came, spent some time with us, drop some knowledge. I mean, we talked about nutrition, fitness, mental health, we talked about investing. I mean, you know, I kind of I kind of hit the whole circumference of what we're all about here on Black Men Sundays. Plus, we don't normally get a personal trainer too often. So I and a nutritionist. So I had to get you on there and a brother with a master's degree and play ball. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> this Black Men Sundays at its finest. So, Corey Lewis, man, thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays. We appreciate you and enjoy the rest of your day, brother. You too. And everyone out there and uh, everybody else that's on. Hope you all have a great Sunday and Enjoy your day and have a great week. It's a black man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away.